and welcome to episode 962 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, July 29th, one day before the trade deadline. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. I keep waiting to show up to one of these and you being like, sorry, we, we've traded you to Rotowire. <sighs> there have been talks, okay? Yeah, I know. I, I hear there the chatter. You know, you try to put it out talks. of your mind and just focus on the job you have to do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. When when CBS made Frank Stanfield available, you don't think we're going to look in on that? No, I, I understand. Frank's great. Frank's I awesome. Mean, yeah. Come on. So problem is that's two hosts. So mm. yeah. you know what? What does the position look like there? They asked if I'd be willing to move positions. I said no. Who do you think I am? And so you know it's it's created some some consternation there. But uh, you know you never know at the deadline. I could be dealt. Maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe maybe they're getting Frank for you. That, uh, I mean, and, and I would I'm love out. to work with Frank. I, you That's know. what I'm saying. So it, it, it's 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 up in the air right now. But like you said, we got to go on the field and perform. We can't be worrying about yeah. that. We have a job to do, and uh, that is to discuss trades. And we've gotten a few this morning, even. So let's just dive right in, catch up from from yesterday's great day, and talk about what's going on now. And maybe we'll even get one on the pod. But let's start with the big one, man. Joey Gallo goes to the Yankees. Uh, there had been so many rumors on him. It just felt like it felt really strongly that he was going to go. I, I I don't know where you were, if you thought maybe it was all smoke or if you were leaning toward him going. But the more and more it happened. And then wasn't it the other day that he kind of made a, a goodbye on mm-hmm. on air in his postgame interview? Yeah, I think and, he knew he was, he was heading out. And that's what I'm saying. So it's like um, – he does end up going. He unfortunately goes to the evil empire. So his his wonderful beard is are, gone. Are they the evil empire anymore? Not anymore. Yeah, I and mean, that's that's like I, I've made comments about that before too, where it's like, yeah, you know, at some point you're kind of kicking kicking them while they're down. I don't mind doing that, but uh, they're not the evil empire anymore. But they're yeah, they're still I mean, easy to hate because of like how much their fans are whining at. You you'd think this team was like ten games under five hundred the way they're the way they talk about it, but uh, they are actually in the thick of it. They've disappointed, but I think we talked about this the other yeah. day. They have all the ex- excuses in the world with the injuries. Like, it, it's not even an excuse. It's a reason. But yet here they are, still in the thick of it, couple games back of a wild card, and now they get Joey Gallo. Whether you like the Yankees or not, Gallo in Yankee Stadium it's gonna is be fun. Juicy. That's going to be fun as hell. So his power will obviously play literally anywhere uh but i think it gets a boost there the lineup is a boost as well so this is a big win for gallo here and we'll get into some of the prospects after but you know does this move gallo up uh substantially for for 22 for you as well i mean i'm not gonna say substantially but because i mean the issues with gallo are still going to be present where you know the batting average is a huge risk uh but it definitely will move it up just the context of the team he's playing on. Uh, so, and obviously hit, hitting Yankee stadium is going to be uh, amazing for him. But like you said, it's not like, it's not like the park was like holding him back previously. He's got real manpower exactly. plays everywhere. So uh, yeah, it'll definitely move him up a little bit for me for, for 2022, but it's not like, he's not like jumping up into I don't know, like the top 40 or top 50 necessarily. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a 100 RBI season despite 240 homer seasons. Uh, you can definitely see that changing. Uh, same with the same with the runs. You know, he leads baseball and walks with 74. Uh, that team is going to be able to drive him in more. I know there's been a lot of talk about his strikeouts, but then the counter has been that they've been grounding into too many double plays, which you don't do when you strike out. So it's like, listen, I know we want contact in the game. We want to see that improve and more base hits. But for the for the Yankees setup, uh, maybe this actually kind of fits. I know, like I said, that some fans are complaining about the strikeouts, but they have four guys with double digit grounded in the double plays this year, and another guy with nine, and uh, they they want they want to see that curbed. And he may curb that with uh, with strikeouts instead of instead of ground balls to the infielders. So. You know, just for context, Texas has one with double digits. So, uh, you know, four guys with double digit uh, ground into double plays. That is that is a lot. Um, so, yeah, Speaking this of definitely. Which, 
Uh, yes. Fun stat. How many times do you think Joey Gallo is grounded into double play in his career? Oh, I think I know this. Um, I think I saw this on Twitter. Yeah, Grant like Boosby. Nine, nine yeah. total? Nine total, exactly. Nine total. Like I just I just told you there's five guys on the Yankees with nine this year. Yeah. Uh, so it's like and you ha- know how many how many sacrifice flies do you think Joey Gallo's had in his uh, career? I know that that's one because uh, I, could, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe in 2019 when he got his first one. That's insane. The ground in the double plays thing tracks because, like I said, with the strikeouts, you know we get it and and the fly ball uh, approach. But the the one sack fly is insane because of the fly ball he, approach. He's got a and, career 50 percent fly ball percentage, and he has a one sacrifice fly. Does it speak more to Texas not putting enough guys on third with fewer than two outs? Uh, yeah, I think that that definitely plays a huge part in it. But all, but also just a stone cold fluke. Yeah, it's it's just the I weirdest mean, stat ever. I mean, that that's insane. His numbers with runners on third and fewer than two outs are two forty seven, four twenty three, four ninety five. So he walks a lot. It is is the real thing, um, including six intentional walks. He has five homers. Two triples, four doubles, and then, of course, one sacrifice fly. So big boost for Gallo. The prospects they got uh, for Texas, it's not a – if you're not a big prospect person, this one this isn't going to hit you uh, with like a bunch of name guys that you know because there's no Davey Garcia, Jason Dominguez, Clark Schmidt. Those are probably the three that, that people who don't follow prospects a ton would would know. Uh, the top guy is Ezekiel Duran, who ranked eighth with a uh, with a 50 future value. Trevor Hover and Josh Smith, all three of those, uh, you know, they have some quality to them. Though the, the write up from Kevin Goldstein, the headline said they get quantity and quality, and it highlighted you know how Duran, 22 year old second baseman, is is quite interesting. Smith and Hover, and then Glenn Otto kind of a further down piece. Joey Rodriguez goes with them as well, which, you know, uh, Ian Kennedy, Ian Kennedy was traded, right? I don't or think I, I'm imagining has, that. No, I'm imagining He has that. not been I, yet. I don't know where I got that in my head, but, um, it, it's going to happen. He, you're, you're seeing into the future. I, I am. He has to go. Like, it'd be so wild if he didn't. And then in that case, um, you know, a lot of folks were seeing Jolie as maybe the backup there. So I, I think it'll it'll fall to like Josh Sabors when mm-hmm. uh, when Kennedy's gone or who knows it I probably won't matter enough because they're not that good but uh, give us some thoughts on on Duran Smith and Hover insofar as you have them I'm going to recommend the piece by Kevin Goldstein on the front page to get real detailed information but you said you had some some knowledge at least about Hover for sure yeah so Hover was a guy I, I uh, targeted in that league that I referenced that's 30 teams 100 man rosters so mm-hmm. uh, so in the first year player draft last year uh, I, I targeted him as a guy I ended up trading him uh, to make a run at championship this year which fell short but uh, he kind of profiles as like um, maybe like a Daniel Murphy type player okay so like that could be really good yeah outside there. I'm thinking like maybe 20 home runs, uh, you know, some chip in speed and, and, you know, somewhat decent average so far in, in a ball, you know, nine home runs, two stolen bases, 288, 8. He does walk a lot. Like he's got a mm-hmm. really good, uh, eye for eye at the plate. So I like him. He's kind of, um, I feel like a kind of a low ceiling, high floor kind of prospect, uh, but I think he could probably make a debut sometime late 2022, you know, early 2023, something like that. So he's kind of an interesting guy in your deeper dynasty leagues. I think Duran is uh, potentially the guy who is uh, like kind of the, the gold mine here. I mean, he's got a lot of power. He's been stealing bases in the minors the last two years, which is not something I think people expected necessarily from him. Uh, and I think maybe as he kind of continues to fill out, he may not steal quite as much, but uh, you know, we have him for, you know, 60 grade raw power. Um, and, uh, which is nice. And that he could tap into it uh, completely in the, uh, in the majors uh, as he matures. So like, I think he's kind of the, the guy that, you want to be attacking if you're if he's out there on the waiver wire and you're in kind of deeper dynasty leagues. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think Texas did pretty well here, and you know they have a pretty decent history of of 
prospect uh, development. You know, it's been a little dry at the top recently, and this helps thicken it up a little bit. I think they went for a quantity over just like one big name because they really realized that they needed to uh, add some depth to their system. Obviously, getting Josh Leiter was huge, but their their Jack Leiter, excuse me, their their number one guy uh, is now Leiter, but. Josh Young coming into the year hurt himself with a broken foot, which was tough. So you didn't see much movement there. And then with the ran, they now have three guys in the top 125. And so um, it's still pretty light. They still have some work to do. But I know that there is some youth uh, that, you know, really young prospects that can move up. And a couple guys in this deal besides Duran uh, in Hover and Smith who they can turn into something more. Uh, let's move on to the Starling Marte deal because that was remarkably fascinating. That's that's a good old-fashioned, you know, challenge trade here where uh, you, you see it as a win-win because it's two big names. Kind of easier to assess for folks that aren't prospect mavens because, again, you know both names. These are these are major leaguers, obviously one of them greatly struggling. Starling Marte and the rest of his contract money goes to Oakland for Jesus Lozardo. And the reason they got Lozardo, uh, at least in part, was because of the money. Pay, paying that extra money. And it makes so much sense, by the way, that teams should always do this. You already budgeted to to pay this contract. Absolutely do it if it's going to get you especially a much on better a rental. Prospect. Yeah, exactly. Especially, exactly. you know, who cares? It's already a sunk cost that, like you said, it's been budgeted. Uh, I, I'm surprised that this was the return. I, I mean, you and I kind of talked about this prior to mm-hmm. uh, hitting the record button. I, I'm surprised the A's were willing to part with uh with Lazardo. Uh, I think part of it comes from their history of of being able to develop a pitching and realizing that or at least believing that hey, you know, we can we can find the next guy. Now they don't have a lot of pitching uh atop their system, but I mean look at the guys that that are doing remarkably well for them right now. Chris Bassett wasn't a prospect of note. Neither was Cole Irvin. James Caprellian was was, but he was bought on the cheap uh, due to injuries. Uh, Frankie Montas was kind of bought a little bit cheaply as well. Sean Mania was a prospect, but he was even bought cheaply because he. W- uh, but that was part of going back to his draft. Uh, he was drafted later because of his injuries. So I think they like to kind of bargain shop and and develop their their park helps a lot too. Lizardo, they like these reclamation projects. I mean, they, they really do. Irvin, and, uh, Montas, and Caprellian were all pro, you know top prospects or, or prospects of note uh, on other teams that kind that, of that they got cheaper. Yeah, that either faltered or or were injured. Uh, you know, Montas was injured, Caprellian was injured, and Carl Irvin was just Cole Irvin, uh, and been able to kind of turn them around. So I totally see what you're saying. And I mean, let's not forget too, like they have guys in their minor leagues that are really interesting in AJ Puck still, uh, you know, there, Dalton Jeffries, uh, Grant Holmes. Uh, so, I mean, these are guys that could make appearances at some point and they they just have this depth, I guess, to trade from. Uh, so it does make sense. I just, I was a little surprised when I heard that was, you yeah, know, two I, months of Starling Marte uh, gets them uh, gets them Lazardo. So it's yeah, great, great for both teams. You know, I mean, Marte's gonna hit probably second in this lineup, and that outfield defense has become even better now that you move Loriano over to right field. So yeah, because his arm is great. He he doesn't always. Uh make the best plays in center field. Uh, a lot of time his arm is making up for flaws he made otherwise, which is going to make him a perfect fit for right. And and then you got Marte now in center. I mean, that's, that's huge. And he's been excellent, quietly excellent. I believe they talked uh, extension with him and he wasn't interested in, in the terms. And, you know, he's been a three win player this year, which is huge. So it's a high impact move. And obviously they're hoping they can do big things. Uh, whether it's it's chasing down the Astros, they're six games back, so that's not going to be easy, or winning the wild card game and and having a ha- having a big big playoff that way. It's not gonna, that's not going to be easy either, though. It's a coin toss game, and it would it would kind of suck. And I'm sure it'll come back up if they lose the wild card or if they don't even make it. And they'll say, "Oh, look what you did!" And it's like, I don't know, man. It's the way I see it with the analysis on Twitter and things like that is like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Absolutely. Right? If you don't go for it, 
uh, you're you're the worst. Um, Seattle, you know, with with the Grayman trade, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll get into. If you do go for it, how how stupid are you to trade a prospect or to trade a, an arm like Lazardo? And let's talk about Lazardo because obviously this is a sell low on him because uh, a disastrous season for the 23-year-old lefty, both in the majors and the minors. He did not smooth out in the minors at all. Just a lost year altogether. Doesn't mean he's toast. I, I don't think he's toast. Um, I think this is a win for the Marlins on principle alone, even if they can't fully you know, turn him around, just to get the, the, the player that he can be um, for a rental, like you're saying, is a good move, right? Sometimes... Sometimes a move can just be inherently good, even if the player doesn't necessarily work out. And I think this this qualifies as that, which I know sounds kind of weird, but like, what was Marte going to do for you? Nothing. No, this was they're, I mean, they're not good. I can't imagine being more happy with a return, uh, especially exactly. because it allows them a team that has just an amazing amount of talent in the rotation already to maybe move one of the other guys like uh you know maybe they decide that they can cash in on you know maybe a guy like Pablo Lopez right now um, maybe not him cuz he's hurt I mean once he's back um yeah. you know but like Alcantara like somebody for yeah, a big Trevor Rogers something you know yeah. uh uh or maybe it's you know they trade from their minor league depth um mm-hmm. and uh you know a guy like Edward Cabrera uh, or Braxton Garrett, um, you know, they, they clearly understand the mantra that you can never have too much pitching. Absolutely. Be- because you can't, the second that you think you do, you look up and, and you're, you're running four guys in a bullpen game because, because guys are hurt. In fact, look at their situation right now. Yeah. They've, they've got it's Alcantara and Thompson. They've got a pretty decent rotation on the IL with Elijah yeah. Hernandez, Pablo Lopez, uh, Cody Poteet and, uh, Trevor Rogers all on the IL right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really uh, smart move by the uh, by the Marlins, uh, and I don't think that they're done. Uh, if you're not following Craig Mish on Twitter, obviously go and follow our buddy Craig, um, oh, yeah. who, who just does a great job covering the Marlins and, and kind of giving insights onto how they work uh, as an organization. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be pretty active here over the next 24 hours. Uh, I still have a lot. A lot to give. Um, Yimmy Garcia got traded. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we're going to talk about him and Graveman and, and, and the fallout there. But uh, in Oakland, by the way, it, it's worth noting, like, it doesn't it doesn't move too much. You know, Seth Brown, he might have been your little uh, uh, your little platoon guy that you were using in, in a deeper format, probably AL only or, or really deep mixed league. He's definitely going to lose playing time. Piscotty really wasn't doing anything. This is why they needed to make this move was because they really weren't getting anything out of right field. They were 27th in war with minus 0.3 in right. So moving Oriano there and getting Marte in center is going to be a very big boost. Uh, Marte is kind of a neutral move. Miami is the worst park for, for right-handed homers, but the Oakland call seems only a few points better. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really do that much, but the lineup, the lineup's going to be a little bit better. Uh, and, I'm not as worried about the stolen bases as some folks are. I think whenever we do this analysis and we just look at how many stolen bases each team has and say, well, this guy's in trouble, I think that's flawed analysis, particularly in this scenario, because who should Oakland be sending on the bases that would really improve their 43 stolen base total I versus mean, the 73 that Loriano and that's it. Like it's, I mean, it's, and, and Loriano's been, you know, dealing with that injury that we talked about earlier this season where like was it shin splints. Yeah. And, and they come and go, right. So he yeah. can, he can run in waves. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, exactly. There's nobody else. And I mean, Miami was a team that knew they weren't competing necessarily. Uh, you know, they might, you know, do what they did last year, but, and try to, you know, hang around for quite a while. But like they're a team that needed to manufacture offense, so they were going to push it on the base paths. Uh, Oakland, I think, like you said, like they just—they're not a team built necessarily to run. But now with Never Marte being there, I mean, Canha has doesn't he have some stolen bases this yeah, year? Yeah, he usually chips in, chips in a handful. He's got nine already. Yeah, see, like that's that's super helpful, and he's not a guy you see as a burner. And they let guys run who they think can. By the way, Loriano is in one of his running spells, but he's only two for six. 
So maybe maybe the uh, maybe the shins aren't holding up as well as as he'd hoped. This, but, this yeah, hurts so. his value a little bit because he's going to move down the lineup and he may not run as much by doing that. I think he may not run as much because he's been unsuccessful of late. That's I don't think it. it's necessarily this move. So what I said in my article with Marte was that projections have him for I think uh, about twelve the rest of the way. I move it down to like eight to ten, and I know if it goes to eight. That is a hit, but I, I I don't think yeah projections had eleven to twelve. I would put him at eight to ten, which you know you want those those extra ones. Uh, if it ends up being eight, you would have preferred the extra four, and that that can be a difference. But it's not like they're going to put a red light on him, and all of a sudden you have you lost a base stealer. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so um, I definitely think that this is definitely not the end of the world for him and overall it's a slight plus because the lineup's better i like that for Marte. um as far as lazardo based on you know it's been a brutal season where do you come out on him for the future how are you assessing uh lazardo you know coming into next year i'll be interested to see where he goes in drafts i really thought he was going to be a, a little bit of a bargain coming into uh 2021 and he wasn't people were just not the case folks were excited about him yeah which i mean i understand like you know the raw stuff is awesome it's just the command inside of the zone it's it's been atrocious and it looks like he's had a little bit of walk issue uh down in in the minors you know even worse than he was uh you know, he had like a nine percent walk rate in the majors this year 11 percent walk rate down in triple a I still think there's just too much talent um, in a 23-year-old guy. Uh, it's going to be 24, you know, heading into next year to uh, mm-hmm. to give up on him. But it, it will be price dependent. If people go Miami's, you know, team that's very good at developing pitchers and uh, and you know, change of scenery, uh, I'm going to keep taking him inside the top 150. Then I'm, I'm just not going to be there for that. No, he's got to be. For me, with regards to Lazardo, if he's not outside the top 200, I'm not taking that shot. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, so that's where I'm at with him. Eduardo Escobar goes to Milwaukee, and listen, I'm sorry, White Sox fans, you got the uh, you got the Bob Nightingale kiss of death when he <laughs> declared when he declared the deal done and said he was on his way to the, to the White Sox uh, back on June 27th. It would have been awesome to get him a month early, by the way. And they could still use him, and we'll talk about a move that they basically did. Uh, let me move that up over the Brad Hand move there. We'll talk about all the closers together. Um, they absolutely could have used him. They did get a move to compensate, but getting Esquire back on June 27th when it was rumored would have would have really helped them. It would have also – I wonder who Arizona's all-star would have been at that point because I like Escobar a lot and he's having a solid season, but he only made the all-star team because of the one-per-team mm-hmm. rule. Uh, but instead he goes to Milwaukee and and he's going to help them out. The playing time, the way I analyzed it here was he's going to lose a little. So is Urias and Telez, um, but their overall values don't change that much. I think against lefties, Escobar is going to play first. Yeah. Against righties, he's going to play some first, some third, and some left field. And if he's comfortable out there in left field, that could be the avenue where he doesn't lose much playing time because Jackie Bradley Jr. is dreadful. He's still a great fielder, but his bat is nothing, dude. He has a 50 WRC plus this year. Is that year. bad? I looked it up, dude, because I, I don't know stats. What do you, I'm not a yeah. dork. Stats are um, stupid. It's not good, dude. It's not good. It's not good. 50 is bad. <laughs> Dude, it's so awful. It's a 50 WRC plus. Uh, the defense can't save him. So he hasn't played left field. Escobar hasn't since 2017. So they might not be comfortable putting him out there you know, every day against righties. But he's going to move around a little bit. He's going to be a, a Swiss Army knife for them. Um, the way I assessed it, that he was projected for 242 plate appearances the rest of the way as an Arizona Diamondback. I'd knock that down to about 220. And so, you know, a little loss, but nothing crazy. And then the second an injury hits or if the yeah. left field thing takes off, all of a sudden he's an everyday guy again. So the bottom line is it really wasn't actionable for me for Escobar, Urias, or Telez. I think their mm-hmm. values stay the same in the league formats where they're applicable. All formats for uh, Escobar and then deeper formats for Telez and Urias. 
Yeah, I tend to just agree with you. Uh, I mean, I think the 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 big thing about what you said though is injuries. I mean, this team has been banged up all season long, and yeah. so he adds to depth, but he'll find his way into you know playing time, whether it's as a super util or because someone gets hurt again. I mean, Wong's been on the IL. Uh, Kane's been you know just got back from the IL. Keston Hero still sucks. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I think there's going to be plenty of uh, spots for him to figure out a way to get in the lineup. Uh, and it's it's a nice part change for him, going from Arizona to Milwaukee. Uh, yes. So, uh, and a good division division switch as well. So, I, I like... Ooh, the division switch. I didn't mention that. That's a great call out. Yeah. Much yeah. better teams especially, when you're playing in division. Well, especially because we assume the Cubs are going to get worse here. Exactly. The Pirates somehow got worse um, <laughs> and will continue to. Who knows what the Cardinals are going to do? I mean, they're nine games back of the division. They'll probably stand pat. Yeah, I would they, imagine. That's, they that seems like the Cardinals piece. thing to do is just yeah. kind of we're going to ride the fence here. And it, it I think if they like thought the Reds are buyers, but yeah, hard well, to they're, tell. they're buying on the edges. They're not yeah. going to buy big. And they're trying – I think we talked about this on the pod or maybe it was on my stream. But they're they're going to volume the bullpen yeah. thing. They're they just, just throwing a bodies. bunch of guys at it, yeah. which I think is the right move for them. Like if they had just only done like let's get Brad Hand or just Graveman or just Yimmy Garcia, that doesn't help as much. I, I like they that need... move they made with the, with the Michael Yankees. Michael Gibbons? Oh, with the with the Sessa and Wilson. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, I like all the ones they've done so far. Sessa, Wilson, and Gibbons – the oh, volume it like this, um, I think that was just yesterday. Okay. I, I do like it because that's the way to do it. And you, you're going to spike a big 20 innings out of somebody. I, I really feel like they're, they're going to be able to do that. And that's going to help so much for what they're doing. Um, they have a solid rotation and they have a pretty good lineup too that I don't mm-hmm. – the, the tough part too is like where do you really trade in the lineup, especially with Moustakis coming back? Yes, shortstop is a need. And Senzel. And there, yes, and he can fill that shortstop need, and he's going to. He's going to play some shortstop and center field. So I think that they see themselves as, uh, you know, in this, but they're not going to go all in. Um, and that's why they're kind of doing moves on the fringes with the with the bullpen, and that makes mm-hmm. sense. But yeah, Escobar doesn't really change. So to counter, or, or not counter, but since they lost out on on Escobar, even though they were apparently heav- heavily rumored to do it a month ago, the White Sox went ahead and, and stayed in division and got Cesar Hernandez from the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Guardians, excuse me. Um, I guess they're not the Guardians yet, but they will be. Uh, and, you know, I prefer Escobar, but the it's probably pretty moot overall in, to, in terms of what two months mm-hmm. from one or the other could do. Uh, they're basically doing kind of the same thing this year, whereas uh, Escobar has a 105 WRC plus. Cesar Hernandez has a 100, and they're switch hitting infielders. Uh, like I said, Escobar does have some outfield capability that maybe Hernandez doesn't, but otherwise, this is very similar moves. Mm-hmm. Do you like Hernandez better in uh, in the White Sox? Better lineup, better park. You think it's a boost for him? I think it's a, a boost for him. Um, I mean, especially uh, if they let him continue to kind of hit towards the top of that lineup. And I have where's this power coming from? And and it is power hitter gone gone power hitter uh, Cesar Hernandez. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like what? A, where did this come from? He had a brutal, brutal April. Um, but since he was being cut. Yeah. He's being cut left and right, and it made sense. And I picked him up in a number of leagues there. Uh, well done, dude. Since, like, uh, since the beginning of May, down. he has 17 home runs and a two forty nine batting average, um, 48 runs scored, 43 RBIs. Uh, like, if they let him continue to hit at the top of the lineup, like, he's just going to be just this sneaky, great player. Uh, Those the are – that's like 40, 100, 100 paces, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Since, since May 1st. Just so folks that uh, you know d- don't realize the s- strength of what Cesar Hernandez has been doing, and the 249 average, as we've talked about repeatedly, is not the end of the world in the batting average context that we live in now. Because the league uh, average is 241, so he's actually above average for the league. You know, Maybe a little bit below average for most fantasy leagues. But, uh, I mean, the home runs have been – I mean, it's not like – it's been this thing where, like, oh, he had, like, this really hot month necessarily. Like, 
he is just, you know, seven in May, four in June, uh, six in July so far. Um, yeah, no, it's it's consistent for Hernandez. Now, again, he has stopped running, literally. He has zero attempts this year. But the power, you know, it's funny how fantasy can work sometimes. You draft a guy for one thing and he does something completely different. And, you know, depending on how your season goes, it can end up being exactly what you needed. And I, I wonder how many teams feel that way where they, they got him for double-digit steals and a little batting average. And then their power came up short and he filled the gap. Because um, you can definitely envision scenarios like that with Cesar Hernandez. He's been batting first and second with the with Cleveland. I imagine he'll he'll have an opportunity to still bat second here behind Tim Anderson. That's what we have on roster resource. Uh, it, it makes sense. It would I, make I, sense. I mean, he's got a nine percent walk rate this year. He's only striking out a twenty one percent clip. Uh, so, like, I think that's a, a pretty decent fit. Uh, making a lot of zone contact as he always does. Yeah, I, I like this move a lot. I think it was um, probably a consolation prize for them, but yes. one that they shouldn't be disappointed in. Is this but one question about the batting second? Is it only till Robert comes back, though? I don't know. And I mean, it's... Robert wasn't necessarily batting second before he got hurt all the time. Like he was, Where was he batting? He was kind of batting all around. I want to say I'm, okay. I'm bringing up his game log or his splits right now. Um, and let's see, he, uh, he hit second in 11 games. He hit seven and eight. He hit, you know, and then spent the rest between third, fifth and six. Um, okay. So, I mean, so it's not a guarantee. Yeah, definitely not a guarantee. I mean, part of the issue with Robert is he doesn't walk a ton, you know, 7% walk rate, which isn't necessarily awful for him or anything. But he, you know, strikes out a twenty-seven percent clip, and so like even you go look at like his game logs, it was just all bounced around. Like he just between kind of second and seventh. So I think there's a chance, especially if uh, if Cesar Hernandez continues to walk at close to a double-digit rate, that they'll let him continue to be kind of a table setter. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that, and uh, that could be huge. And you know, hopefully Eloy's not. Too badly hurt. He left with a groin yesterday. It sounds not like Thursday. it's minor. Okay, good. Probably just missing a game to, you know, uh, let him let him heal a little bit. So hopefully it's okay. But we'll see where they are when Robert comes back. But bottom line, this is a plus for Cesar Hernandez. All right, now let's talk about the big closer carousel moves there with three closers leaving. Uh, only one of which probably stays a closer or at least gets some save opportunities. And that's who we'll start with, Brad Hand. That just happened with the Blue Jays getting him from Washington. They've had kind of an uncertain closer situation. So I don't, you know, he's, we just talked about him on last episode about how brutal he'd been. It's a pretty confined period. And we even said he's still going to get traded for sure. And um, I think he could still be there closer. I think they might be bringing him in to stabilize the ninth and let um, let Jordan Romano be more of a fireman type that they that they prefer anyway. So that's kind of a bummer if you have Jordan Romano. Um, it's not set in stone, so I wouldn't cut Romano today. I would at least hold him through the weekend. Let's see where we are after a handful of games. And uh, I'd probably even try to hold him beyond that if you can, because I unless they come out and say – He's our locked-in closer. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily think that Hand is a hundred percent taking over for Romano, but I do believe he's going to get closing opportunities for sure. What do you think of Hand going to Toronto? Yeah, I thought it was kind of a perfect fit for them. I mean, uh, he'll either you know kind of share the duties with Romano, or he'll or take the the duties completely over. I, I don't think he's like going to end up as a, a setup guy, especially with the way that bullpen is already constructed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've already got quite a few lefties, so it's totally fine uh, for them to kind of move him into the ninth and keep him there. If, if that's the case, like I said, it is a bummer for people like me who have Romano uh, and spent a lot of money on him in fam, yeah. uh, in TGFBI where only have 17 saves on the year, but yeah, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think at, I think at the same time, like I think this is a, a pretty decent move as long as, uh, you know, the few blowups we saw kind of prior to the trade isn't going to be a, a continuous thing. Uh, be interesting to see who else they kind of pick up because I, I I assume they're not done in the bullpen, especially as well. 
Yeah, and I mean, they could go get Rich Rod now too. They they've been heavily linked with him, which would greatly strengthen their pen. But then he wouldn't be closing. Uh, as I was hoping he would be uh, with whatever move. There's another rumor. We're going to get into some rumors after we talk about the concrete trades that would have Rich Rod not closing as well. So as we get closer to the trade here, now now I'm really pulling for Philly to uh, to step up and get him so that he stays closing. But that's all right. I uh, I knew that he might not close. I, there is at least an opportunity, though. So we'll see. The other two, they're losing their jobs, so we'll talk about the replacements there. What about in... Uh, in Washington, who who are we getting? We, we talked about that a little bit when we said that he would still get traded. I think we landed on Kyle Finnegan as somebody to go get. And apparently Tanner Rainey is just back from the IL, though, we, a guy we hadn't talked about. So where, how does Tanner Rainey uh, hit you as far as somebody to maybe consider? I mean, I know and Rainey— wait, one, one, one thing. We, Daniel Hudson, if he stays, is the obvious one. But yeah, we, he's we are speculating now. that he's going to. Yeah, it he, would make no sense to keep him. He's actually three years older than Brad Hand. So if for some miracle he well. stays, it's Daniel Hudson. But we're speculating beyond that. So we got Kyle Finnegan. And then, yeah, talk about Tanner Rainey, who's been brutal this year. But, you know, showed some things last year uh, and even the year before that maybe he can get back on track from. Yeah, I mean, I think Rainey can get back on track, but I don't know that he uh, he he's going to be like the next man up. I think Finnegan gets the next shot. He's uh, too much of a home run guy for me. Yeah, and, and, and his walks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his, his walks. He's he's got a seventeen percent walk rate this year. Yeah, his walks are awful, but throughout yeah. his career, even when he's tamped the walks down to a non-vomit-inducing level. Tanner Rainey's given up too many homers, whereas Finnegan has 64 and two-thirds career innings with a .8 homer nine, 10 strikeouts, and 4.7 walks per nine. So, you know, I, I think he's going to get a real opportunity here and uh, would be the guy I would I would take. Yeah, he, he's the guy that I'm targeting at bat this week if uh, you know, from the Nationals. All right. Kendall Graveman and Yimmy Garcia go to Houston. Um the the former and Rafael Montero, oh that's right, Raph, but he was DFA'd, so you know they they were already like we don't want you at all. So yes, he was part of that trade, and I, I really liked Rafael Montero uh, even coming into this year. I was like, I, I I see something. I don't know what happened to him this year though. He just became a hit machine, couldn't get strikeouts anymore, and and he was a disaster. He really was. I liked him with Texas. I thought it was a good pickup for Seattle, and it just absolutely was not. So we'll see what happens in uh, in Houston. First question, are you concerned at all about Ryan Presley? Do either of these guys hone in on anything of his outside of, you know, he's been used three days in a row and he's tired? Or or do you think it's like a share at all? It's hard to tell. Um, really? I'm, I don't think he gets I, – I think he only loses them when he's – pitched a bunch of times I, I i think he's the undisputed closer still you think so okay um i mean that's my take if you have a different one obviously that's that's fair but uh, my take is that he's the undisputed closer yeah I, I think he probably should be he's been so good but he's also a guy who's like who's always said like i'll, I'll pitch wherever they want me to pitch true um, true he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna bitch if they do yeah and eat up some of his saves. not that i think grendel uh grendel <laughs> Grendelman. Um is uh I'm calling him that from now on. Uh not that I think uh, Graveman is uh, uh a guy who would say I need to be the closer because I mean he had been the closer until like like a week ago. Um yeah. so uh yeah it's probably Presley. Um and I, I'm I'm I definitely want to watch the games this weekend before Fab before I make a decision on, on dropping Graveman because he's just been so good. Um and even if he's not going to save, he's going to have he's going to have value. I mean, a point eighty two ERA, and oh, he's over been a strikeout in inning uh, this year. Um, yeah. So that being said, like if you're desperate for saves and you were you know rostering Graveman, like I was in TGFBI with my seventeen saves, um, it's probably okay to move on if you just need to go find a guy who's going to get you saves. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. And with Yimi Garcia, this was a, a when, not if situation. People people knew that that was going to happen, so they've already been speculating on guys that are going to replace him in Miami. Anthony Bender's been kind of the hot name, kind of the the upstart reliever uh, with a ton of strikeouts, 45 in 35 innings, even has a save. 
uh, you know, been hit up a little bit recently, a couple outings where he gave up some runs, but uh, nothing that has me like massively concerned. I'm not going to rule out that that he doesn't get the job, though. There is Dylan Floro and even John Curtis, who have finished 10 and 5 games, respectively. Anthony Bass is still there, too, who actually has some closing experience. But he's 33. He shouldn't be there by, by the end of tomorrow, either. So I'm going to put him off to the side, Bass. And let's focus on Bender, Floro, and Curtis. How are you approaching the Marlins bullpen the rest of the way? I think Floro is going to be the guy that gets the first shot. Uh, but I think ben, I think Bender is the one that has the best chance of grabbing the role and actually keeping it rest of the way. I just want Bender to get it. I just feel like he's he's better. But I, I agree with you, actually. I, I do think Floro, he can't be ignored. So just because you, you can't wheel guys into the closer's role – even though Bender looks like the more prototypical guy who comes in there and gets boatload of strikeouts and everything, doesn't mean they're going to give him the opportunity. I, I do think the veteran Floro is going to get a chance here. And um, I also and wouldn't we'll be surprised if they tried to go back to Anthony Bass. They did pay him in the offseason. But first... he's going to get traded. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we just, we just said he's going to get moved. So we're putting him again. He's a Daniel Hudson situation. If he's still there after the deadline for some reason, then I would I would pivot to Bass. Completely. He definitely could be. I mean, the, he he's under team control through 2023. Um, it's yeah, it's team option for 23. But how much are they paying him next year? Let's see. Not much. It's, like it's only three two, mil. So yeah. yeah, okay. If he stays, he's closed for this team, right? Oh no, no, it was uh, it was with he, Toronto last year. Well, he started off as the closer in the first month of the season and was atrocious Oh, and uh, didn't get a single save. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he blew uh, like, yeah, all the opportunities, but since then, and since the beginning of May, he's got a three Oh seven ERA over a strikeout and inning. Um, so like, I would, it would not surprise me if they went back to bass, especially if they want to try to recoup kind of some of his value and maybe trade him at the start of the off season. Yeah, don't uh, don't rule that out. Now I actually it's might, kind of a uh, mess though. So like I'm probably just staying out of this one. I don't think Miami's going to be very good rest of the way. Uh, I think yeah. there's there's better situations to try to dip your toes into. If you want to maybe like dip your toes into crappy save waters, like Pittsburgh is probably a little bit easier <laughs> to read. Uh, yeah, that's true. Or or maybe even Texas might be even easier to read. So. Uh, I I just think I mean right now like on roster resource we have four guys as like sharing the closing job. Oh my gosh. That and like on a team that isn't going to win a lot of games rest of the way, do you want like this feels like an Orioles type situation where it's like That's a great call. Uh it's like, yeah, I mean, you might get the guy, but that might mean like seven saves rest of the way. I wouldn't put anything more than a single digit bid on anybody. Probably. In- in the Marlins pen. We'll talk about the Mariners guy when we do free agent pickups for the week. Cause I think their guy is actually somebody to, to target, put some, put some real money behind. Uh, let's go over a few rumors here as we continue through on Thursday, the day before the deadline. And I'm sure we'll get a few more trades today, which will be great. I'm going to add one here to the very top. So you're gonna have to check the, uh, the board. Cause I don't know if you, you heard this, this just came out at least as a rumor. Apparently the Red Sox are among the teams talking for Max Scherzer. I, I mean, I would love that for them. I, I, I would dislike it it'd for be, my Giants, but... Oh, uh, yeah, but it'd be so huge. For, the, it, it's like... At least it would keep him out of the NL West uh, against could, my could Giants. imagine, though? Because then you're I, adding Scherzer and Sale. Yeah, I mean, it would make a lot of sense. and it, It'd make that rotation go from man to, oh, okay, yeah, I mean... Yeah, because then you're, you're talking about... Those two, Eovaldi, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I was just about to say, I was just going to say exactly what you were saying. I mean, you go from, you know, Martin Perez being like in your rotation as like a stalwart to like he's your fifth or sixth guy. You know, you've got Eduardo Perez, Sale, or sorry, Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez, Rodriguez, uh, Sale, Ivaldi, Perez, Scherzer, and Pavetta. You know, you not. I I think it would go Scherzer, Sale, Rodriguez, Hauk. I like Hauk a lot too. I think I think those would be the five. Probably. Well, they're, they're running the six man right now, so I would assume, especially with Sale coming back and you not wanting to overload him early, that he he maybe have someone as a follower. Um, yeah, because if they got Scherzer, they're not six manning him. 
Yeah, yeah. Because you want every potential start you can get out of him. And I don't know how, like, if you finagle it to where he goes every fifth day. Maybe, but you're still... maybe you pair Hawk and Sale. Yeah. The righty-lefty. That, that would be unfortunate for those that like Hawk, like like I do. And I think well, you just said you Hawk might so be like... the follower, though. Actually, then it makes it better. You're right. You're right. He probably would be. Sale gets yeah, he's four or only five been, at the front end. He's only been going three innings or four innings in you know his start. Maybe it would be better. Yeah, that's a great call because he would almost certainly be the follower behind Sale, and that could be great uh, for, for, of course, win upside because right now he's going three or four, and they've been good, but you can't get a dub from that at all. So uh, that's a good call out. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, the rumors are completely flying with Scherzer. Uh, but that one, that one popped up, and I was like, "Oh, we got, we got to say something about that." Yeah, we were it, so it feels focused unlikely. On the NL West. If yeah, it feels unlikely considering he said he wants to go to the West. Yeah, and he has sure. the the ten five rights to veto but any trade. And... I I think sometimes we push too hard on those things. We hear one thing, we're like, "That's it. That's all." He has yeah, no open sure. mind. He'll never say anything. No, it's like that's what he prefers. But he sees a team like the Red Sox, who have a big lead, um, or not a not a big lead. Excuse me who have a strong chance to make the playoffs. Uh, they only have a two-and-a-half-game lead, but he and Sale would have a great chance to lengthen that lead. Um, you know, it's the Red Sox, so it's the high profile. He likes to be in the thick of it. Not that the Dodgers uh, or even the Padres and Giants are are wallflowers that nobody covers, but it could be, you know, a high-intensity thing that he could join. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll He's going to get a huge return because I think I saw I something yesterday that uh, someone said that 14 teams had com- uh, contacted the Nationals on Scherzer. We like, talked about it a couple weeks ago where I said this market is a, is a seller's market and rentals are going to go back up in price for, for the first time in a while. And it really is. I mean, we haven't even seen Colorado – with gray and story yet. And speaking of, um, the Yankees are talking about still working on, on Trevor story, potentially. How does that hit your ear? Uh, Cause I kind of thought it was Gallo or story. They're saying Gallo and story. What if they got story dude and move Glaber back to second? That, I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I think it would be, uh, just a huge win for them. Uh, especially if they could work something out in the off season, uh, or before you know, before he hits free agency to, to keep him long term. Uh, mm-hmm. But even it just as a rental, like that would be, I mean, that lineup, you know, Voight is almost working as, you know, is almost ready to come back apparently. Uh, you know, they got Judge back, though I think he then left. Oh, no, no, he, he was late to the ballpark. So they had scratched him and then put him oh, back okay. in or something like that. So, I mean, if, if you put Story in this lineup, you're looking at a, oh God, would it be LeMahieu, Judge, Story, Gallo, Stanton? <laughs> and then Sanchez, Sanchez Glaber, Torres, Urshela. Like Gross, dude. I mean. Now, which do we know which team was talking about put Story in center field potentially? I had not heard that. I, yeah, that was a rumor that one team was talking about. I'm going to see if I can find it because this team might be one that would qualify because if you look, when Voight comes back, it would really complicate things in the infield. Right. I mean, because, like you can't, you're not taking out Urshela. No, no. I mean, you, you put, you, you move LeMayu over to first. I think it would hurt. Already at first. Well, yeah. I mean, that's because Odor is at, at second. Odor can just go to the bench. But that's story's position. No, I'm that's Torres' it, position. It doesn't matter. I'm saying that's his. Like, it doesn't matter the positioning. Yeah. At this point. So, but I mean, that's what. What does that complicate? It just means Voight Luke, coming back. Voight goes to the bench. That's insane, is what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, he's been injured uh, and atrocious this year. Well, and they also said Stanton could start playing some outfield too. So you know, Stanton goes. Okay, that would help. And uh, let's t- tone it down on atrocious for Void. He's been below average. He's at 122 plate appearances, and he has been unhealthy. But he's been amazing as a Yankee. You're not just putting him on the bench. That's that's a ludicrous comment. Relax. I, I mean, I, I think you will if, not if, speak ill. If, if you get Story, you're putting him on the bench. He, I mean, he. You know, they'll 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 get him in four days a week. Um. You know, maybe even more by just finagling guys around, giving guys days off and stuff like that. And maybe if you can play Stanton in the outfield, but like 
Nah, put Trevor Story in center field. It's a has he ever played center field? Who, who cares? He's a major leaguer. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding with that. Before anyone thinks I'm taking that seriously, um, apparently I think uh, I'm trying to figure out which team it was that would have. It doesn't look like it this was. This is the Padres. Game. It was Padres. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, you know, maybe the Yankees should consider it though, um, because it would fit their team a lot better because they have Brett freaking Gardner out there. Uh, so that's a rumor. And then this one is to to kind of start rumors. Neither Bryant nor Rizzo is in the lineup today. Oh, send me Chris Bryant to San Francisco, baby. Just to your Giants, yeah. Just do it. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. I, I don't know that it's gonna happen, but uh, yeah, they're they're. I mean, I think they're both gonna get traded here pretty quick. I think Baez as well could could get moved. Uh, I, I think with Bryant specifically, like they they kind of know they're gonna trade him, so they're they're tr- probably want not wanting to risk injury, especially if a deal comes mm-hmm. to pass during the. Uh, during that game um but it just was interesting that the that the brizzo combo was out of the lineup and everyone's like oh do they have to trade them as a package they should can they They trade them to my and would i was gonna say would your giants be open to taking on rizzo as well absolutely yeah i I know come on like didn't wade just get nicked yeah and i mean brandon belt's working his way back but he's still brandon belt like i i mean uh yes please send send them both if they'd like to, they can send Kimbrel as well. Make it make it a whole make it a whole party over mm-hmm. there. What what if those three cost you one of Luciano, Ramos, or Bart? You cool with that? Because they would have not to. Luciano. Um, no, and, no, so Ramos, Bart, or Matos then. Uh, you gotta. I mean, realistically, I don't think you would get all three. But like a Bryant Kimbrel deal would make quite a bit of sense. I, I I would love it, um, and I, I would, feel like it would cost one of those three. So who are you giving up, Ramos, Bart, or Matos? I think you got to give up Ramos. Yeah, you know, or actually, probably Matos is probably Ramos is so close. I, see, I, I, that's why I think that the Cubs would probably insist on Ramos. Mm-hmm. Get get somebody that's like something that fans can kind of latch on. I'm okay. To I'm okay giving up Ramos for that. I, I, so I, I, it, it would be Ramos plus, but you know. I mean, Ramos? honestly, I don't want them to give up any of the prospect, major prospects. I, 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 I'd rather, you know, as much as this has been a really fun they're season, the division, they're winning the division. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's a lot different. Is this a World Series it. team? Like, were any were any of y'all's World Series teams, dude? Come on, no, they weren't. <laughs> you know damn well that talking at this time oh, of those so years, hard. none of them were and they weren't even probably winning the division in most cases they're leading the division if you get kimbrell and no, Bryant, I think they were the wild card team every year for ramos bishop and a deep prospect i think you got to do it yeah maybe it's because like you're winning the division it's Turibo, so different ramos. if you're playing for the one game i think i think like maybe it's uh, like two top ten guys and a deeper guy, right? If they give up Ramos, Patrick Bailey, and Taribo, that probably nets them at least Kimbrel and uh, and Bryant. Yeah, and I Bryant. think that those three would definitely get it done. I was thinking two of the top ten and then one deeper, deeper yeah. piece. I mean, trade Patrick play. Bailey. I mean, they've got Bart and Posey. Yeah, they Posey. got catchers days. Um, like so that, like, that could work. That could work. You know, ba- Bailey Bishop. And, and two deeper guys then, since those guys are a little bit lower and not in the top 100. Yeah, I would do I don't that. know. I think there's certainly something there with Cubs, Giants, um, at least as far as trades on paper. I don't know how much they're talking, so we'll see. Uh, the Mariners have checked in on Jose Barrios. And, um, you know, this was the, – the thing that I, I found kind of nauseating about the, the you know, hand-wringing about the Graveman deal was – Jerry DePoto said it wasn't a, a white flag move. Like he's like, we got other stuff here, and he's not even their best reliever. We we purposely didn't talk about replacements there. We're going to talk about it in the free agent pickup, and like, I just don't understand why people didn't let him kind of figure some things out. Because then an hour later they got Tyler Anderson. I know Tyler Anderson's not going to knock anybody's socks off, but he's going to pitch three x the innings that Graveman is. And if they spike the right 3x, you know, the right uh, Anderson innings and he keeps the ball in the yard a bit, 
he could have a mid three ZRA for those and be a hell of a lot more valuable than Graveman was going to be. Plus, if they do a move like this, where they get, if it's not Barrios, just anybody that is available that isn't a rental makes sense for them, right? Somebody that is for now to try to get into the wild card, but also there for next year. I think Barrios does make sense. But do you like Barrios if it costs you one of Hancock or Kirby? Mm. Uh, I think I do. Um, I do too, personally. Uh, I, I think I think you do because that. they've got such depth um, in the rotation already, and then in the minor league. So uh, I don't think you want to trade. Ooh. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be one of the big three hitters: no. Kelnick, Rodriguez, Martin. No shot. It would be one of the pitchers. Yeah, because the point is for Minnesota to kind of reset the window a little bit, but not to. First off, Barrios isn't good enough to net one of those three, in my opinion. But also, I think they want a pitcher because, again, they're not trying to—they're not trying to get an eighteen-year-old that they have to mm-hmm. wait forever on. They want somebody who can maybe be their next Barrios. And I know there's Mariners fans who are saying, "Well, we can develop one of those guys into Barrios." I understand that, but Barrios is a finished product, and we know pitching prospects break. That's their their favorite thing to do. You've already got Gilbert working out. You know, in a weird way, it's like. Seeing him work out like kind of lessens the odds that Hancock and Kirby will, right? Because there's almost no chance that all three of them pan out to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. And Gilbert isn't fully developed either. It's not like he's just set in stone. It's been 60, 50 innings, 56 innings. So I don't know. I, I, I think I'd be open to that, though. I, I think I would be, too. I, and then you're talking about Barrios, Kikuchi, Gilbert at the top there with Gonzalez, Flex, and Anderson – that's a deep that's a deep rotation there. That's six guys that you can rely on the rest of the way. And it would help to lower some of Gilbert's workload too, because you don't want to push him too hard, both coming off of 2020. And if they do somehow get the wild card and make it in and then win that and get into a series, you want to have him in in October as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if anything happens with it. I think that's the type of move they should be making, though, where they have a guy that isn't just for this year. They shouldn't do rentals. That wouldn't make any sense. And then the last one, I mentioned this, uh, this would be a bummer for the Rich Rod fans that have him. Uh, White Sox have checked in to to deepen their bullpen a bit. Yeah, I hope that's and not the case. <laughs> I, I hope, I understand, and I, I, I agree with you as somebody who has Rich Rod like everywhere, but it makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, it it definitely does. Uh, because I, their bridge to Hendricks has been a bit wobbly of late. Yeah, it would just it would yeah be a bummer for those of us who have Rich Rod uh, as as a closer. Um, you're hoping he ends up in a in a place that uh, he can continue to close. But this was the risk, right? And we we yep. you know, we talked about it uh, that there's a legit chance he cannot be a closer and legit chance he could still be a closer depending come on, on philly yeah. get the deal done because i think he completely philly's gone closing. quiet after their anderson deal fell through i uh, know like i i maybe they're maybe they're just kind of waiting for some of the uh smoke to clear before they they strike but like they need to go get another starter or two and you know more help in that in the bullpen uh and so i'm 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 a little surprised. They're four games back right now. You know, go go mm-hmm. for it. Uh, Push in and get some get some things done. You know, yeah. uh, I told I totally agree with that. All right, uh, I don't see any other rumors that have popped up, so uh, let's let's talk a couple pickups, and we we are relating them to the deadline here. So guys that uh, with openings are going to be folks you want to go out and get. Let's start with yours because he's kind of an interesting guy. He's put up you know a little bit of numbers here with six homers. And three steals, albeit, albeit the three steals are in six attempts. But it's a guy in Texas. Who, who you got there for a pickup to watch this weekend? Yeah, I think Eli White is probably the big winner, at least in the short term, for the uh, for the Rangers. I think he's going to be the guy that gets full-time playing time kind of moving forward. He's already played in 60 games, uh, six home runs, three stolen bases, like you mentioned. I mean, the batting average has been atrocious, but he's also gotten super unlucky on balls in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think he's just kind of next man up. And I think, you know, probably a sneaky stolen base guy, especially if you're hurting in that department. So on a team that likes to run. Uh, so I think Eli White, probably the guy. Uh, I mean, I guess they could go another direction, but uh, they're also going to probably continue to clear out 
split uh, <laughs> spots in that uh, yeah, order other for, exactly. for other guys to to get time. So uh, it makes a lot of sense for him. And Jason Martin, I think you know deserves a mention. They they just brought him uh, back up. I think after the Gallo deal was uh, was uh, called. And uh, I mean he he's nothing special, but kind of a uh, he's got some speed too, right? I mean he's got a little bit. Like it's not like it's not like he's not a burner or anything. I mean, neither's white. Like I said, he's yeah. three for six. So yeah, I mean, he. I think he's a guy who could probably chip in a handful of stolen bases, handful of home runs, and uh, you know, hit for a decent average. I mean, you know, context. Yeah. 119 plate appearances in AAA, nine home runs, two stolen bases, hitting 269. So it, it, it's been a while. He was a double-digit steals guy uh, back in the minors a long time ago, but he was actually pretty bad. He's mm-hmm. 90, 97 steals, 74 caught. So Jason Martin doesn't really know when to go he just yeah. kind of goes i will say though um and this is not my my reco but um if they bring leody Tavares back up i'm not off that train the man yeah. is 22 i'm surprised and, uh, they haven't yet me too and i don't know if they're like they see that he still has a 26 percent strikeout and 239 average in triple a and they're like oh i don't know he has been better of late uh but he has 13 homers 12 steals he would be very interesting if he does in fact get the call uh, up as well. But the Eli White one for deeper leagues, the playing time's going to be there. And you mentioned he's not a 186 average or whatever the heck it was. Um, I think he'll be much better there. And then my guy is is the the fill-in for, uh, for Kendall Graveman, Paul Seawald. Because here's the thing. He was their best reliever, or is their best reliever. Kendall Graveman was not. Kendall Graveman's having a great year. And I don't, I don't say that to negate anything on Graveman. I say that to promote what Paul Seawald's doing. He's got better swing and miss. Uh, he's been the more dominating guy. I think he enters that role. And he could be really interesting for them. He's a 31-year-old kind of – I don't even want to say reclamation because that would suggest that he was like good before. He's a 31-year-old find who they've turned into a, a bit of a gem. And the big change has been home run suppression. Now, I don't know – and maybe M's fans could could help us out here. I don't know how he's doing it, though, because he's still a huge fly ball guy. But his his career home run rate is 1-1, which you're like, OK, well, that's not even that bad. It was 1-2. He's shaved a bunch off because he's at 0.6 this year, Seawald is. But he has a 43% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate. I think right now, until we see how other things break down, this is the number one uh, potential closer to get. I agree. I, yeah, I think he is easily the next guy up in Seattle. God, Garrett Cole fucking sucks, dude. Sorry. Oh God, what do you do? He's getting hammered. Oh Jesus. Anyway, <sighs> so I sorry to derail you. What, what are your yeah. thoughts on Seawald? Yeah, no, just yeah, no, that hurts. Um, uh, yeah, I I think he's clear the next guy up. I think Seawald uh, is is the next man. Is not really. I mean, Stecken Rider. Uh, is probably the handcuff to Seawald, but yes, I did mention him in in my article uh, analyzing he's, that. He's trade. quietly been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if they want to keep Seawald in the fireman's role, it could be Steck. So if you're cash poor, I mean Seawald already got a save. So oh, did he get one? Um, yeah. No, was that since what's his face is gone? No, no, he got it Monday before. Yeah, but it was when Graveman couldn't pitch because he had pitched like on back-to-backs or something yeah, like so that. Yeah, so he, I think he's the guy. I really do. All yeah. I'm saying is, like, if you're if you're fab poor but you're still desperate for saves, a buck on stack. Yeah, 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 for sure. That, that That's all. I, I, I want Seawald. That's the guy I'm putting bids on if I'm chasing saves. I imagine you will be in that league where you have negative seven saves. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's already gone. Probably, probably. Honestly, and um, well, no, never mind. I was gonna, I was gonna say something that I actually don't agree with. I was gonna say we should have been talking about him before, but we never thought Graveman would be traded because they were in some fringe contention. But I, I again, I didn't hate the trade that they did uh, and getting Toro and everything. So no, I we'll like Toro how- a lot. I mean, I, I do know, too. And we, it's, I talked about him back in like November. Like, <laughs> so. yeah, I, I remember he was like your your. Un- low key AL only guy. Yeah, he was he was my you know outside the top you know fifty uh, third baseman pick. Uh, yes, and so I got him on some draft and hold teams. Uh, yeah, I mean I think I think he's uh, an interesting 
interesting guy. And I think, you know, he's not, there were some people like, well, they're going to trade Seager now. Like, no, they can't trade Seager because Seager's got uh, a clause in his contract that if he gets traded automatically, like sets off like a 20 plus million dollar option for next year. So, Oh my God. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to trade him. And like, I know they lost the next two games to the Astros, it's because the Astros are better than them, not because they traded Graveman. But, but he's Toro hit home runs second. in each one of his games as a Mariner. He has, he has four homers in the last four games. See, and I think the big the big thing about this deal and how you see it is how you feel about Toro. And you and I like him, so we're like, this is not a bad deal and can even help them the rest of the yep. way this year. Mm-hmm. Whereas others are like, Toro's trash, and that's why – this deal is stupid, you know? No, I think Toro's going to be uh, a guy that I'm targeting in a lot of leagues next year. And what about him at the waiver deadline this week? Is he someone you see for 15 teamers? Yeah, I think he's owned in a, a lot of leagues already, though. Like, I okay. think he's, uh, I'll take a look real quick and see if he's even available in any of my 15 teamers. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he is rostered. Uh, let's see, he's available my TGFBI. He's not available in either my mains or my tag team. He's available in both the 12s and the OCs I'm in. So, yeah, he's not available in any of my 15 teamers. I think he's because he was filling in, you know, pretty much full time for Bregman. For Bregman. That's a great call. Yep. Okay. All right. And I don't see any other rumors popping up right now. So we'll just kind of play the wait and see game. Hopefully, we get some more trades. Uh, Nick Pollock and I are going to be doing a stream tomorrow covering the deadline. I think we're, we're going to be going live at 1 p.m. Eastern for a few hours. We're going to talk with Jason Martinez a little bit on from Roster Resource. And then he's actually going to do a show on the front page uh, and on the Fangraphs Twitch channel after. Uh, not directly after. We're not handing off to him because uh, I don't think we're going to go uh, right up to his start time. But if you want to watch some streaming covering the deadline tomorrow, you got Nick and I at 1 p.m. And then I think Jason's going to be starting at 5 p.m. Eastern, if, I, if I'm if i correct. But I check the front page for details on that, Fangraphs.com. Justin, great speaking with you, and I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.